Here's to five miserable months. Look, this one sucks. We'll just can it. Uh, he's in a WAP days. I mean, there's nothing else to say. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. Worst um, caretaker ever. <laughs> I'm here for women, and all women's bodies are beautiful, no matter the age, no matter the level of decay. You can run, but you can't hide, bitch! Oh, welcome in, everybody, to the first ever episode of You Can't Hide, the number one horror movie recap podcast this side of Haddonfield. I'm your host, Evil Al, joined by my co-hosts, Camp Counselor Ben and Calamity Cat. All right, this is the very first ever episode of You Can't Hide, so we thought we'd go ahead and start off the episode by just kind of telling a little bit about us, kind of who we are and how we got into the genre, maybe our earliest memories of horror, and, you know, kind of why we fell in love with it so much. For me, my first foray into horror was definitely in high school. Um, One of the first horror movies I was ever allowed to watch was a DVD copy of The Evil Dead, that I got from Barnes and Noble or Books and Mind or something. And I watched that movie, I think every day for like a month, every single day after school, I was obsessed. I was so hooked. I loved how like campy and silly at the same time. So intense and dark and serious. It was around that same time, maybe, maybe a year or so earlier. One of the first things that really got me hooked in horror was Resident Evil four on GameCube. And uh, that game was just so much fun. There's just so such a nice balance of horror an action and adventure, and I knew I was hooked from from the moment those two things came into my life. All right, how about y'all? How, what kind of got y'all into horror? What's like maybe your first horror movie love or the first one you remember watching, and kind of how you got into? It? Uh, let's see. So my first ran to horror, um, I was pretty young actually. Thankfully, like I was a single parent um, household, so I was like pretty free range to do what I wanted. Um, so usually like after school and stuff, like I'd go home, kind of watch like flip to the channels and see what's on. Um, I think the first one I ever like truly kind of watched through was uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that's pretty intense for a child. But, um, once I saw it, I was like, this is actually really fun to watch. And I think I was probably like, like eight or nine, I think. But from then on, like I just was like addicted to horror. It was super fun to watch. Uh, Mine was a similar situation, uh, for sure, because I could watch whatever I wanted, and pretty much my friends' parents were the same way, so, um, but I was also single-parent household, you know, latchkey kid, come home, (laughs) like, watch whatever I wanted, Uh, but going over to, like, one of my friends, uh, used to go over for sleepovers, and her dad was, like, a huge horror fan, and her mom was, too, but, like, read Stephen King books. And so they never cared that we watched it all the time. So going over there and having slumber parties, I don't know what the other kids' parents thought. But, I mean, my mine was cool with it, but um, we would we would watch everything, like all like the Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I got into weirder stuff later in high school, I would say. <laughs> so more uh, more abstract horror and the the all the 80s uh slasher films like yeah. more Classics. like you know like uh slumber party massacre and like <laughs> sleepaway camp and all of those later so oh, i love sleep i think like i such have such a fascination like that's why i want to be like camp counselor because like, like all these like camp movies there's like people are just slashing left and right and i'm like that looks so much fun 
All right, everyone. We thought it would be important to start off the podcast with a bang, and so we are going to go ahead and recap one of our favorite movies, uh, a movie with so many amazing set pieces, such great acting performances, so many iconic moments, and so we are going to go ahead and cover for y'all this week, The Shining. So right away when the movie starts, you were just set, you were just hit with that amazing score and that that iconic like tracking shot of the mountain which follows them as they in their cars they go up the hills and you can just tell right away like there's a sense of doom and a sense of dread and isolation and you know something horrible is going to happen <laughs> yeah definitely i think um the the way even the way the titles are scrolling up and it's uh it, it sets the tone for sure that it's going to be creepy something's creepy is going to happen um and I don't think, you know, I mean, there's other films that were at the time that were that, you know, had, I guess, some creepy elements to them from the beginning. But I don't know. This one set tension at the beginning, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. And especially with uh, Shelley Duvall. Did I get it right this time? Yes. Especially tension with Shelley Duvall's cigarette. Like that thing was scary. <laughs> I was so anxiety. I was like, girl, flick that cigarette, please. <laughs> what? <laughs> you haven't seen like all the memes and everything where it's like that, because like the ash of her cigarette, like it's just like burned all the way through and it's like, or it's yeah. like the end and it's just there. And I was like, I've ever, I've never had so much anxiety until I watched like The Shining. I love that saw that's... like Shelly Duvall's like. <laughs> oh, it's like cigarette. in 16 Candles where she's standing over the food and like the ashes, like the grandmother and the ashes yeah. are like burning into the food. <laughs> Yeah, that was the most, like, intense part for me. I'm like, girl, I need you to flick that cigarette, please. But the fact that it stayed was movie magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, this movie's really stressful. You've got cigarettes that are over-ashed. I mean, you have, you know, Native American motifs that, you know, they don't really get into, but I like that it's there. Well, um, it's not, and it's not in the book. So, like, it's just, <laughs> it's just this thing that, Stanley Kubrick wanted to add and he doesn't really express why, but I guess Uh you get into the fact that maybe like, I mean, that there's the burial ground situation. Yeah. The burial ground, there's evil there because of what they did to the ancestors and Mm -hmm. which I kind of like the idea of that, um, which was, yeah. An addition from the book. So, so the hotel just didn't just happen to have like some random native American stuff like Kubrick purposefully added that. Well, yeah, it wasn't, I think, I don't know, because I forget where they actually filmed it. They did not film it, I believe, in the actual Stanley Hotel that where mm-hmm. Stephen King stayed, where it's based off of. Um, but I think, yeah, he wanted all of that in the, in the, in the film. And he wanted to make sure that, uh, that those lines are dropped in there, for sure. It's just mm-hmm. he never went back and, you know, he didn't want to explain any of it. But um, <laughs> there seems to be, I mean, there's, there's definitely a racial tone to the movie, obviously. Yeah. So um, I think, I think there's something there for sure. Yeah. So Jack Nicholson, he's going, or I guess Jack is his name in the movie, which I love when people have their actual name <laughs> in movies. Yeah. Makes it easy um, for the actor, right? Exactly. And for a, a shitty podcast host like me. Um, <laughs> so, so Jack is trying to get this job as a, <clears throat> as a caregiver and right away like we learned pretty much it kind of sets up the whole movie the 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 guy who's hiring him kind of says like yeah um 
pretty much during the winter, you're kind of trapped here. It's 25 miles. It's like impassable. The last guy who worked here went crazy, killed his family. It kind of sets up the entire plot of the movie, which is basically Scatman Crothers spending two hours trying to get to them <laughs> for, for very little payoff on his part, but uh, RIP. And leaving his shag pad in Miami. <laughs> yeah, I always, it's always so shocking to see just the like busty naked lady with the ridiculously huge afro. I, I'm always very jarred by that. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so right away, we, we figure out that Danny is psychic. Because um, before, like, we cut straight from Jack getting interviewed to Danny, like, creepily having the E.T. finger convo in the mirror, being like, he's going to call. He got the job. And then he does. He does call and it lets them know he gets the job. So we know right away he's not only creepy, but dangerous. No, he's not dangerous. But we learn that Jack's dangerous. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We learned that Jack is a, <clears throat> a former alcoholic, and in one drunken rage, he like broke Danny's arm or something, and since then he's been sober. And and oh yeah, and also they they set up that there's not going to be any alcohol or anything at the hotel while they'll be now when he's doing the tour. Yeah, and I I'll have to say like. I wonder how what the direction was from Kubrick to Jack Nicholson on this because. He hates his family from the beginning. <laughs> like, oh, there's yeah. no love there whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. He, I he cannot stand these people, <laughs> and I'm going to show you how much I hate these people. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's like how Jack Nicholson really feels about children in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget this, but they have like a hard cut just to one month later, like just one month of them already having been there. And it's just on screen one month later. And I'm well, like, it was oh. like in the beginning too, like when he was going into the interview, they're like the interview. Yeah. Is that, is that the only two times that they do that in the movie or is there some other time that I forgot? Well, I think about? there's, there's a couple, like there's the interview. There's, there is, um, one month, but there's, a, there's, there's a couple more too. Cause there's some at the end as well. I think, isn't there, is there one at the end? Maybe <clears throat> make that up. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, those are the two that I remember the most. There might be a few more thrown in there. Yeah, and we and we know that like uh, Danny sees the twins the moment he gets there. So you wonder like yeah. what else he sees in that one month that he was actually cut <laughs> yeah. to. You know, like what else did you see, kid? Yeah, yeah. And so once we get that that um, that cut to one month later, we see the twins. We see the elevator. With the with the uh, the famous iconic shot of the elevator. Well, I think blood. actually even before they go, I think like he had like a little like premonition of everything, like the mm-hmm. twins and the elevator. So I think when he gets there, like and he sees the twins, he's like, "Oh, this is what what was happening." Yeah, and also we for the first time we see room two thirty seven, and um, <clears throat> in one of his famous little uh tricycle tracking shots which are always so fun on that geometric carpet the most famous movie carpet like both i know yeah (laughs) the room 237 and the carpet in the actual hallway yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it pops up in like they always like do homages to it like in other horror movies they're because i always watch like uh things you missed in movies or whatever and they're like did y'all see the homage like the shining and the carpet and like it pops up in so many different places 
And yeah, I don't know. I definitely agree that Jack seems to kind of hate not only his job, not only his family, but everything and everybody. And kind of like the first plot point that really kind of like sets the tone for him spiraling is he has that dream. Um, And he's like screaming and when he goes to check on him and he tells her that he had a dream, he had a nightmare that he cut them up into little pieces and (laughs) and then right away. That really starts ramping up because meanwhile, Danny's in room 237. Yeah, he's in room 237, you know, with Francis Conroy and um, she goes and wakes up Jack from his dream and then Danny wanders in and he's got his bruised neck and Wendy's kind of like, you did this, you alcoholic little monster. You did it again. And that's when Jack really kind of spirals. I think, is that when he goes to the bar or is that later on? No, he like, well, he first, he had went to the bar. Oh, he, yeah, he goes to the room. Door. Doesn't he go to the, yeah, yeah. And then he, but he goes to check out the room because I think Wendy comes, you know, she tells him about the woman. Mm-hmm. There's a woman in the room somebody's here and so he goes to check out the room right yeah and so he goes into the bathroom and i one of the things i love about this movie is how how like it's not even color block but the color scheme of the bathrooms in this movie are so iconic like that in room 237 it's like that greenish bathroom and then as as um sexy francis conroy pulls back the curtain and me too's jack it's like just that the, the color scheme of the bathroom is just, yeah, it's just very iconic to me. And so, yeah, so Jack is in the bathroom investigating and he gets reverse me too'd by, from American Horror Story, Francis Conroy, who, who pulls the original going from like a young bombshell to creepy old woman. And yeah. I wonder if they got inspiration from that, like to do that in American Horror Story. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. I mean, she wasn't, like, in American Horror Story, she wasn't, like, full of, like, she wasn't oozing from open wounds, but but it was the or same. bloated. Yeah. Himself, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Towards well, I have one more thing to say about this scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so this is, this is the part where I'm like, wow, this dude is such an asshole because <laughs> your wife comes and tells you that your son had been attacked. And you go into this room and you see a beautiful woman and like, you can see he's sitting there. He's kind of like, what is going on? And he's thinking, right. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he has that creepy smile on his face <laughs> and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like rather than like <laughs> confront this woman. And yes, he's in a daze or what a supernatural daze or whatever, but it's so hilarious that he just like, I'm going to make out with this woman, this woman that likely killed, like tried to kill my kid. <laughs> He's in a he's in a wop days. I mean, there's nothing else to say. <laughs> he no, it but he, to the best of us. <laughs> I like how you said ew. <laughs> well, only because like she's like decayed and gross. No, he wasn't. He wasn't in a wop days from that. He was from the. Well, I guess that is technically a wop also, but yeah, bloated. Um, but no, yeah, no, he's. I don't know if Jack Nicholson's just naturally creepy as hell, but that that smile and. Smirk he gets th- when she's like just standing there right in front of him. I'm like, you're in danger. Like, what? No, you're in danger, bro. Like, it was, it was creepy. <laughs> it was truly chilling. Like, I was like, oh yeah, no, I believe that you could kill your family. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, and so yeah, so he gets he um encounters Francis Conroy. He 
gets the hell out of there as he should. And he goes back to Wendy and he just gaslights the hell out of her. He's like, there's nothing there. I didn't see nothing. And truly, I would say the same. I'd be like, <laughs> I, I didn't see nothing. I tried I to make out with this one. <laughs> she turned into an amorphous blob. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he goes back to Wendy, gaslights her ass, and basically just tries to make it seem like Danny's like a little lying slime ball, which I'm like, he tries to tell her that he hurt himself and he clearly was like, I don't know who like chokes themselves out like that. So I don't know who he's trying to fool with that story. Well, he's like, his son is catatonic. So like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but not that he would know anyway. (laughs) He probably likes him better that way. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack kind of just continues to spiral and hates his family. And so he's like, you know what, what the best course of action here is getting lit at the bar again. So he heads back to the bar where um, Jeeves pops up, spills Egg Benedict, Eggs Benedict all over his jacket. And he's like, well, let me go clean you off in the bathroom. We get another bathroom shot. This one, the color scheme is like red and white. Love it. And it's revealed that Jeeves actually isn't Jeeves. He's um, the former caretaker that killed his family and went crazy and killed himself too. And that whole scene is creepy. Not only mm. for the overt racism, but also because <laughs> once again, Jack is just like, "Oh yeah, I can see what you're what you're saying, saying, bud. I'm gonna kill my family. <laughs> They're annoying." Yeah, the amount of like, the amount of how easy it was for him to persuade him to just kill his family. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a slight suggestion. He's like, "All right, I'll do it." <laughs> Yeah, so basically... Don't have to twist my arm. <laughs> yeah. So Jeeves basically is like, I had twin daughters. One of them tried to burn down the hotel, so I corrected them. Or I forgot what exactly he said. Yeah, he says corrected. He said, so I had to correct them. And then my wife got in the way, so I had to correct her. And then he's basically, he's like, your family, your, your son is very talented. And a, a man is trying to interfere. He uses much more... Um, inappropriate language to describe my boy Scatman, but and he's like you need to correct them and jack's like all right (laughs) he's not like he's not like it's almost like when he realizes that he's the guy that killed his family he like becomes interested instead of like horrified he's just like aren't you the guy that uh killed your family (laughs) yeah he's very intrigued by like or almost like it's not even he kind of lights up when he Mm-hmm. when he makes that association and then he's like almost like buddy hey guy tell me about it you know like he's already there like i don't yeah. think the house had to do much you know to convince jack of anything yeah i mean this is clearly the story of you know a wife driving a man to the point of breaking i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no but i love how okay so i feel bad for for dick because it seems like two and a half hours of him traveling across, I don't know, the entire world. I don't, it seems like he travels so far and spends so much effort trying to get there. And so after that bathroom scene, we have like a cut scene of him having like 15 connections in airports and like trying to make all these calls. Under and all the snow. Yeah. Like to try and get a snow cat to go get to him. And yeah, it's just, it's a lot of effort on his part. And I feel like that plot line really doesn't really pay off very much. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> no, I was kind of like annoyed. I was like, how dare they? Yeah, I, I, right? I honestly... It was. No, yeah, because like I forget, like, 
that he was in it so much. I thought he was in there basically that first scene when they get at the hotel and they kind of reveal that he, him and Danny are both psychic. And then I thought he like checks on him once and then just kind of appears. I forgot that it's like, no, they're like 15, buddies, like, 15 scenes of him trying to call to, <laughs> to get them checked on 25 he, hours of travel. That, he's the only one that dies in that current time period. <laughs> yeah. So Jackson author, he's been typing up a storm and so we're thinking, okay, my boy's crazy, but at least he's getting work done. Um, until Wendy goes and checks on his work. You know, Curiosity killed the cat. And unfortunately, only Dick is the cat. But okay, so she starts flipping through his work. And it, all it says is, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But I forgot that she flips through like 50 pages. <laughs> and yeah. someone had to type that. <laughs> I know, that's what I was thinking. It's like, and it's all like spaced out too, like. Uh, script style too so like it's, yeah like it's it's in different shapes it's in different like yeah but, also, but it, it's a good like three minutes of her just searching through the pages like what do you think you're gonna find like you can just go first and last and then kind of assume oh this is all the same i think it's her like frenzied you know yeah. that's just how her energy was which i think i think you know the book i think the her character is more you know, straight laced blonde, typical, you know, kind of situation of, mm-hmm. of a housewife. And I think it's really cool. I think what they did in the film, because it makes this very, like, you can see, you can almost feel the tense energy around her, right? She's got that mm-hmm. frantic energy that would drive anybody crazy almost. Yeah. Like I've never been more stressed just by someone existing than, <laughs> than any time <laughs> she's on camera the last like 45 she minutes. She did so well though in this movie. I love it. Like she portrayed like how like um, Anna Ferris plays that dumb blonde well. Like Shelley Long plays that or Shelley Duvall, sorry, plays that every time, every time. I have a crush on both of them, I can't help it. But every time like you see like Shelley Duvall, like she's like just disheveled and kind of like out of it. And like she was made for this character. Well, and he also tortured her through the That's whole like, yeah, like, you can just, trick, like tortured you her can through just, the whole film. You can just see her like demise through the film, just like we saw like Jack's demise, like just downfall through it all. Yeah. But also too, what I was gonna say too, like at that point when she goes to check on um like what he was writing or whatever, like she fully doesn't trust him because she has to take like a bat just to like mm-hmm. walk around like the hotel just in case he's there to try something. Yeah, I mean, Jack, like, he's not likable at any point in this movie. <laughs> like, like, like the difference between him spiraling and, like, into Manus and him at the beginning of the, of the movie is him just admitting he wants to kill them. <laughs> like, yeah. it seems like it seems like it was always there. He just is like, yeah, I'll actually act on it now. Which is what happens when you're in quarantine too long. And I hate to say <laughs> this, but... Oh, my God, is this a, is this a pre-quarantine film? Yeah, The Shining is actually a um, an allegory for coronavirus, and I hate to say it, but I do have an axe in my hand right now, and I oh am in the next room. <laughs> the next room over. <laughs> Let me shut the door so you can do the iconic scene. Oh, well, we, well oh, speaking of shutting the door, it does not stop an axe because <laughs> <laughs> Wendy and E.T. Hand go into the bathroom, and Jack just starts... Final Caesar of Dextering the hell out of that door like a lumberjack. He just axes through the door, which I feel like maybe not the most efficient way. Like, why doesn't he just ram the door? <laughs> like, I don't, like, I understand, like I, yeah, I understand it's purely for drama and suspense, but like, homie, not the best way to open a door. 
Also, resale value plummeting. <laughs> well, or his paycheck plummeting. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Worst um. caretaker ever. <laughs> no. But I do also want to commend uh, in that scene, because I'm actually watching the movie as we go along, just to kind, oh of, my like, God. <laughs> just to kind of make sure. For the first thinking. time. <laughs> yes, for the first time. Yeah, uh, so she's searching through his documents for like 55 minutes, which I think would have been a great bit. Like on scary movie, they're just like searching through the paper for like 25 <laughs> minutes. I think that'd be an amazing bit. Yeah. So he, he pops up while she's snooping and she just beats his ass with a bat, throws him in the freezer. But of course he does not get stuck there because Jeeves freezes ass. Well, his work wasn't done yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even then like, she was like, I like how she like, she like fully, like, even though she had, like, the strong moment, but also, too, how is she able to, like, fully drag him from the stairs? Oh, my gosh, like, I know. <laughs> all the like, way to the freezer. I Like, she can, like, when she picks up the knife, like, she can, like, she can barely pick up the knife. She's, like, shaking. <laughs> and just, like, she can barely <laughs> pick up the knife. They're well, just she's, immediately, like, like, well, like cut, she's cut so, to like, her dragging in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, like, she, but she's, like, frail. Like, she's not even holding the knife correctly. She's, like, holding it, like, like, if you have, like, your nails done and, like, you pick something up, like, that's how she's holding it. Yeah, like, I love how she hits him with the bat. He has the most dramatic fall in cinematic history. When he tumbles, he, like, he, like, he, like, uh, spread eagles his arms and then, like, fully tumbles down the stairs. And I'm like, this it's is so dramatic. It's majestic, though. Like, they should have added, like, a feather or, like, some, like, eagles behind it as he, like, lay down on the ground. And maybe it's just me, but when she was dragging him, I was like, yes, drag him, sis, drag him. <laughs> Jack is let out of the freezer by Ghosty Boy, and at that exact time, it's kind of the worst timing possible for for Dick to arrive there, but he gets there, immediately catches an axe to the chest, <laughs> and I'm like, the first time I saw that, I was like, what's the payoff here? I was, I was like shocked, and then I was like, but why? <laughs> and I don't know, justice for Scatman, dude. That's all I got to say yeah. about that. Yeah. And also, too, during all this, like, well, I guess before he went to the freezer, like, he was, like, kind of ruining, like, the, I think, the radio and the... Yeah, Jack was saboing everything he could. He, he took up parts of the, of the transmitter. He, like, destroyed the snowcat so they couldn't get out. And as we covered earlier, it's, like, 25 miles of, like, blocked off, snowed over roads to, like, the nearest town or something. Yeah, well, I just felt bad because, like... Hollerin, like he, he's now he's, he's trapped in that hotel, right? It's like anyone who dies, like trapped there, mm. or, or is it selective? Mm, I thought it was well because, like, I remember like uh, watching like a documentary, like the backstory of it all, and I think like the thing is like I guess like if you were to die there, you get trapped because of like, uh, I think like this, it's like made out of this, like it's like it's in the area like a certain like rock sediment or something, and like it kind of traps all the energy there. I think that was a whole like justification as to like why this happens like at the Stanley Hotel. Did you say rock sediment? I don't know how to say it. It's not, <laughs> not sediment, but like I guess like the rocks and like gems that are like there. Mm-hmm. Did you know how like how like certain like gems like hold like, like energies mag- and things? And yeah. Energy. Yeah, like yeah. all that too. That's why they're like I think anything bad happens there like that's the energy that stays there. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what he was saying with the Native American, that there was so much blood shed on that land that it became something. Mm-hmm. And you kind of hear that from Hollerin at the beginning when he's talking to, to Danny, that mm-hmm. 
there's definitely something where when bad things happen someplace that it changes that place. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like that's definitely true. Like I definitely believe in like energy and like kind of being able to like feel an energy from a place, not like to the point where I'm seeing, you know, sexy babes that turn into hags, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely know what they're going for and I, and I understand it. So yeah. So after our boy takes the ax to the chest, um, that's actually when there's the, the bathroom scene where he hears Johnny's about, which that's in Johnny Carson reference, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was, that was supposedly improvised by Jack Nicholson. The here's nice. Johnny thing. So that was like the opening of the tonight show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he improvised that line and they kept it in. I also nice. like the use of like mirrors in this movie. Like a lot of the scenes like where, um, like obviously something's supposed to happen or you see like someone like, uh, cause I think a few times, like in the beginning you see, like they mostly shoot like through the reflection of a mirror and like even though the scene's going on, but you can kind of tell it's like a little bit sinister in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's, they had to use somewhat of the mirror kind of reflection because of red drum itself. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that was like a good setup, but like, uh, I think too, maybe like the duality of everything. Like you see like one person here and then like when they look in the mirror, it's a whole different thing. It also too kind of goes back to the, the bathroom scene where like he sees a beautiful woman, but in reality it's like this grotesque like blob. Yeah. <laughs> you keep referring to her as a blob, but it was just an older woman with, <laughs> with, with slight, woman. with slight makeup. To make her have wounds, she wasn't in a blob. She wasn't in a morph. She wasn't in a morphous blob, dude. She just needed some. Yeah, she just needed some eczema. Well, I feel like when your body bloats after you get in water, that's kind of what it turns into. Is this nasty, like, like you know, like on the Walking blob. Dead, like the uh-huh. well, the well zombie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah. Not quite as bloated, but justice for justice for the blob. Um. <laughs> We're like shit body shaming. <laughs> I know. This is a okay, <laughs> listeners. This is a body positive podcast, okay. and I and the view, the views and opinions of my co-hosts do not represent <laughs> me. And I personally, I I am. I'm pretty sure if you I'm here for women, said, and awesome. all women's bodies are beautiful, no matter oh the age, no matter the level of decay. And I just want you to know that if you are a hag woman listening, that I'm here for you, and I hear oh you. Oh my god, that's. <laughs> <laughs> but also going back to the bathroom scene. Oh uh, let me bring we never left the bathroom scene. We're still no, like I like this would be the scariest moment, like as a child to watch like my well, like I have my mom push me through the like the window and like her trying to like escape frantically, but like still can't. I feel like that like that would traumatize well obviously it traumatized but it would it be traumatizing your your dad trying to kill you. That too. That too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know exactly. It would be so scary and sad to think that you can't do anything and you're running away and your mom is still in the bathroom. This movie it's not like Danny like- loved his dad anyway. He was over his dad. His dad was mean to him. Yeah, I was, no one I in that family. Like <laughs> no one in that family had any feelings for any other member <laughs> except for maybe like Wendy and Danny liked each other because they had to because it was they had no one else. <laughs> Like, but none of them below surface level cared at all about each other. And yeah, and so they're in the bathroom. He's able to get out through the window. I actually forgot. How did she actually escape the bathroom? So she slices his hand, right? Yeah. Like she, 
Dick arrives, right? Like, and they hear the they hear the snowcat. Mm, okay. Yeah, but like, is she fully like two hands, like the knife, <laughs> and like she like slashes down on him, and but like it's like the smallest cut on his hand. But then so after that, that overacts that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. loves overacting, dude. But I'm just like Shelley Duvall. Uh, she's just like trying her hardest, just you know, not have a mental breakdown, but also save her family <laughs> or her son, at least. Yeah, and so basically, we kind of are at the end now, where it there's the hedge maze, which I I love that hedge maze. I've always been kind of obsessed with it because it's 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 just so like I wish I was in it. <laughs> like I feel like probably after five minutes, you'd hate it. You'd probably never want to be in hedge maze again. I thought it was interesting that that was kind of like the final set piece was that maze. And you've never been in a maze before, right? I've never been in a maze, no. At oh, all. gosh. Mm. You got your corn maze at least once. Those are, you know, pretty common. You can find those. Yeah. They're creepy. For yeah, sure. I was going to say, that's actually scary. <laughs> yeah, like the children of the corn coming out. Yeah, yeah or like that um, scary stories to tell in the dark, like that mm-hmm. scarecrow guy, yeah. Yep. Harold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harold. And not Kumar, though. He's not... <laughs> I would I would take some White Castle though. <laughs> that actually does sound good. I haven't eaten today. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so we're in the hedge maze, and Danny, who up to this point has been kind of like an incredibly useless character, suddenly it has like intuition and and like kind of hides and erases his path. And Jack, for some reason, I've I've never. It's always kind of bothered me the ending because Jack kind of just gets lost and freezes to death, <laughs> and it's like. Howard, like, I feel like he could have gotten out or, like, something. I don't know. Or I feel like one It's of very anticlimactic for me, you know? I feel like one of the spirits would have helped him or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess they don't... They, maybe they don't go that far. <laughs> they don't go past the maze. Yeah, maybe they can't leave the house. So does that mean he's trapped in the hedge maze? <laughs> that's actually scary. I, yeah, I know. That's what I was, like, wondering, too. But no, it, but then the, you know, I guess the photo at the end, I mm-hmm. suspect that he's, he's in the... He's joined the party. Yeah. But then we, we forget, like, the weirdest randomest part while Wendy's still in the house running around. The dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the, the dog bear. It's like a bear. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was just, like, looking at that. I was like, uh, why is this, like, a random pop-up in this? Like, she's already going crazy. She doesn't need to see, like, some weird, like, bestiality kind of thing. Okay, I it's not... Like that, just <laughs> shadowing his... You think if a man is in an animal costume, it's bestiality? <laughs> yeah. In the 80s, yeah. 70s. Wait, so so in your mind, bestiality <laughs> is someone cosplaying as an animal. So furries to you. Oh my god. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Don't upset <laughs> the furry community, please. Okay, look, furries. My furries, bad. if you're listening, furries, <laughs> I don't think that you're bestiality just because you're living your true life. Oh my gosh. In opinions of my anti-furry co-host, <laughs> um, Camp Counselor Bean, do not represent my views. I also just think this is like another sign of Kubrick's kind of repressed sexuality that leads <laughs> yeah. up the eyes wide shut. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've, yeah, I've always just kind of been like, so these ghosts can help him easily sway him to kill his family. They can let him out of a freezer, but they can't like say, hey, take a right. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> like also like he said, like, I feel like he becomes frozen over within minutes. <laughs> like, like Danny is like a, 25 pound child but somehow like he can just chill in the snow the same amount of time while jack is like already freezing over a little bit i don't know it's it it's always kind of bothered me but 
It, it is it is a nice little image to all of a sudden, boom, there's his like frozen face. Yeah, I, I, I do, do love like that, that part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do love Very that. Very in, though. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the iconic picture where all of a sudden, like, it's the black and white photo, I think from 1921. And it's just, it's just a party and it shows him at the front of it and then it pans down and that's when it reveals that it's from 1921, implying that he's always been part of the house. He actually does early on, I think he says, like, I feel like I've been here before. Yeah, and, and I'm, like, I've been here all along. And then also Jeeves says that in the bathroom too. You've always mm-hmm. been the caretaker. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is that literal or is it like just because he's like possessed by this, the demon spirit of in general, know, the caretaker? Like, <clears throat> that's always like confused me because I'm like, I was like, how did, I guess like, I guess it was just like take over like all the caretakers, but I'm like, how did it know for this one exactly? Like for Jack, like, he just fits so well there. And it's like, how'd they know to just like. Well, he does sell his soul at one point, right? Like he's in the bar and he says, I would sell my soul. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's what gives him, that's why they say your money's no good here and all that, because he basically sold his soul. Mm, and that's why he's like, I always like to know who's paying for my drink. And and, it, and he's like, uh, you paid for it with your soul. So. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. You're covered. <laughs> got you so i do have a question though but um uh like how like are the party goers like how did they did they die there or like what happened with them yeah because that does kind of um throw out the window are only like negative entities are stuck there also um dick isn't a negative entity so he'd actually be a bonus for the hotel if he was stuck there which would suck for him, but yeah. But also too, we did skip over the whole because uh, Shelly is still in the or Wendy is still in the hotel, <laughs> running around frantically, like you know she doesn't know where the exit is. But there's like two scenes. They're like the one where she turns down a hallway and it's like all old and decrepit, and you see all the partygoers like skeletons, like skeletons. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a cool scene, but also to the elevator scene, the most iconic, well, one of the iconic like scenes and like movie history is like where she turns on the hallway you see the two elevators and then whoosh, blood yeah you see that you see that scene a lot secretly you see it like four or five times yeah it's in there a lot for sure because danny keeps seeing it mm-hmm. and there's flashes of it yeah and then we finally get the culmination of well here it is and also too was it his idea like did danny kind of think of it like in the maze like to walk backwards or did someone kind of tell him to I forget. Well, okay. So is Toby a negative, a negative entity in him, or what is? Because Toby is his little ET hand. Mm. When he yeah, has, I, guess I wasn't sure if like Toby was his way of coping with yeah. what he could see, right? Like, so he uh-huh. made up this like this entity to like help him understand and take over. Mm-hmm. So like like almost like a multiple personality sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like a way of channeling his like telekinesis type yes. powers, yes. or if it's I'm like, thinking. or if it's literally just like a negative thing. But I don't know. Toby kind of disappears in the last act, which I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand this movie and I hate it. <laughs> and this is me coming out as an anti Kubrick fan, an anti horror like- fan. And this is the last episode of this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's truly smart, though. I mean, like the kid just kind of thinks of it, like what to do, like how to escape his father. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's really smart and he knows things the whole time, right? But his but everybody mm-hmm. treats him like this little idiot kid. Little shitty kid. 
Yeah, well, I also, too, I probably think, like, his, I guess, Toby is, like, more of his, like, mature side, I guess. Like, the part that, mm-hmm. like, he has inside of him. But he's just, like, I can't kind of be like that. Or he's just scared to be, like, you know, his age or whatever. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah, and I don't know if y'all have been in snow, but I feel like definitely if you step in snow and you erase your foot track, you leave a trail, but... <laughs> I don't yeah, want to okay. I don't we can try talk about too. that because I know like there was a ton of snow. So like uh-huh. it's a deep thinking, footprint. They're not sinking into the snow necessarily. So uh-huh. I guess the maze was like protected from that coverage. I don't know. It was very weird. That was also something that did not make sense. I know there's like compacted snow, so maybe yeah. but fresh. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I guess also like in reality, no one would have been in that maze like for weeks, probably. But I don't know. I feel like we I feel like we're only poking apart this movie because it's like it's I, I personally I hold it to such like high esteem and I think it's like one of the best horror movies and honestly just movies in general. But like most other movies, we're not going to be like dissecting this harshly because it's like it's Freddy Krueger, you know, like. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but I think part of The Shining is that there's so many things that you have to question, you know, I think so. So it's, I don't think it's like I'm not trying to like be negative and like. But but this movie does have flaws, and I hate this movie. Oh my gosh! Also, too, I love like the uh, like at the end. Well, like when they finally get to like the I guess Dick's snowcat or whatever. Yeah, well, I just think that we la- like that's the great thing about this film is that there's so much to talk about. That's why there's a whole conspiracy film about mm-hmm. this film. Yeah, Room Two Thirty Seven or whatever. Yes, <laughs> because there's awesome stuff to like pick apart mm-hmm. and imagery and and just the way it was set. Um that you just have so much to work with and Stephen King's original material, which of course he hated this movie because Kubrick messed with it so much, but, yeah. um, but you know, it, it's, that's iconic for that reason, because you can, you can pick it apart and look at different parts of it and think about it. And it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's definitely one of those films that stays with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I was going through it and it's, it's so after the one month it's, just randomly Thursday and then the next one it's yeah and then the next cut it's like Saturday and as if like we know what day it is anyway right? it's, like, it's like Thursday I was like oh cool a Thursday a month later well that's and like quarantine like, we don't know what day it is yeah it, yeah definitely don't half the time but it is actually Friday the 13th as we record this so <laughs> <laughs> no. well I was just gonna say too like in um Dr. Sleep <clears throat> I do love how they go back to the Stanley or the the Stanley Hotel or like yeah, the Shining. Okay. That was like the like that was like my favorite part. I was just like, yes. Because I love the Shining so much. So it's like to see it again, but like aged and like decrepit and everything. But yeah, I'll- I've just got to say that I have to point out, and I'm sorry I hate to put you on the spot, but when a woman is older and bloated, she's disgusting when, and a blob. Uh, but when a hotel <laughs> is older and decrepit, decrepit. it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. And I just want to point out that this is a feminist podcast, so we we won't stand no. for that kind of um that kind of hate speak. Well, how do you not know? I'm pretty sure the hotel goes off a femme vibe. So how do you know it's not a feminine hotel? Hmm. Hotels are male. Um so <laughs> <laughs> All right, that wraps up our discussion of The Shining. And next, we have a very special segment for y'all. It's called Reanimated. All right, this is the first time we've ever done this segment, and all it is is we reenact one scene from the movie, 
This week, we chose to reenact the scene where Wendy has put Jack in the freezer and he's trying to talk his way out. The role of Jack will be played by me, Evil Al, a cranky witch, and Wendy will be played by Camp Counselor Bean. Um, okay, here we go. <clears throat> Wendy, listen. Let me out of here and I'll forget the whole goddamn thing. It'll be just like nothing ever happened. This is where you, this is where you weep. I'm supposed to be weeping. <laughs> Wendy, baby. I think you hurt my head real bad. <sighs> I'm dizzy. I need a doctor. Honey. Don't leave me in here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go now. I'm gonna go try and, and get get Danny to the Sidewinder and and the Snowcat today. I'll bring back a doctor. Wendy. Yes. You skipped a lot. I know. <laughs> Hard to read. Okay, okay. Reset. Take it, Wendy. Reset. Okay. Wendy. I'm gonna go now. Wendy. Yes. You've got a big surprise coming to you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going anywhere. (laughs) And scene. Wow. Wow. Beautiful. I like how I like how to do my Jack Nicholson voice. I was actually doing Heath Ledger as the Joker voice. Yeah, <laughs> but they kind of are the same though. It, it works. It works. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he was the Joker. Also, he played my very- father was a drinker <laughs> and a fiend. <laughs> and that just about wraps up our first ever episode of You Can't Hide. Um, if hope you enjoyed it. If you have a movie suggestion, if there's a movie that you love, which is with all your heart, you're a horror movie fanatic just like us, hit us up at youcanthidepod at gmail.com with your, with your suggestions for movies. Uh, you can also catch us outside on Instagram at youcanthidepod. Uh, thank you so much. I can let you know right now, next week's movie is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Okay, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie, so I'm very excited. I hope you're excited. Um... I'm expecting some silliness, some goofiness, so let's see what happens. Until next time, goodbye.